Welcome back to Beyond the Veil, everyone. Today we are discussing Sorcerer's Stone Chapter 10, Halloween. Ooh, Ooh. I'm your host, Madison. <laughs> and I'm Rebecca. <laughs> oh, Halloween! Halloween! This is- it is not quite Halloween when we are recording. This will probably go up after Halloween, but By damn, Halloween. I love Halloween. <laughs> yeah. We've got some spooky Halloween emojis on our show notes, just so everyone is aware that we are in the season. Very important. I hope you guys are all still in the season, even though it's over. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's never an real continue. end. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, it's not just Halloween in this chapter, though. This is a this is a busy chapter. We get a lot of stuff done. It is, yeah, because we're getting kind of the like, oh, wow, I've been at Hogwarts two months and mm-hmm. everything, which is like, we're recording this at the start of October, and I feel like it's kind of the same thing. I'm just like, oh, my God, like, what's happening? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How long have we been here? What day is it? <laughs> yeah. Like, it feels like it's still summer, but it's not. Like, it's just, everything happened. It's very fast. So Yes. Um. So, mood. Um. <laughs> <laughs> But in this chapter, Harry gets his broom, and we learn about Quidditch, and we go to class, and we meet another giant creature that is in the castle. I don't know why we have these giant doors that just allow these giant creatures in all the time, but if we had smaller (laughs) doors, I think there'd be less issues. Yeah. Notes for Dumbledore for our letter of complaints. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty doors, though, I mean, I gotta admit, but still. Right. Impractical. Be, Be reasonable honestly and we get our first, we also get our first like official adventure with our three yes. main characters because we're finally gonna admit that hermione is the main character mm-hmm. she's here we're not pretending anymore hermione is part of the group and this is the last chapter where they are well not the last chapter where they're mean but like where we have that unfortunately it's not the last chapter where they're mean (laughs) yeah they're so rude to hermione which i'm sure we can complain about till the cows come home one of my notes on my when i was reading this was just 11 year olds are dicks so (laughs) they are they are they really are sometimes they're just the worst (laughs) they it's because kids don't have that censorship that you get when you're older like they're 11 so they're old enough to start to be able to make like real observations about people that are stinging but they don't have the the wherewithal to keep their mouth shut and not be mean to people i feel like when i was 11 i knew to not tell people like this is why you don't have friends but that's just me (laughs) only if i felt like they deserved it would i say that agreed i yeah usually they didn't so sometimes they did though because as i said 11 year olds are dicks they are sometimes schoolyard fights are there for a reason because sometimes someone is mean to your friend and you have to let them know they can't be mean to your friend and yeah there's different ways of doing that you can either tell them you can be responsible and tell an adult or you can punch them in the playground whatever works don't be like me <laughs> go tell an adult <laughs> don't get into fights with people um but i'm a gryffindor so you know i guess on brand at least <laughs> i mean judging um, by my stance that i've already taken and just hoping there's not 11 year old actually listening to this but like <laughs> right if so i'm sorry you're probably great <laughs> no you're you're awesome 11 year olds can be great specifically ron weasley is a git <laughs> 
I think I want to specify that 11-year-olds in the 90s were assholes. That is very true. The okay. 90s were a tough time. It's always a tough time. It's been a tough time <laughs> since, like, ever, actually. The, I can't think of a time to start that at. Like, it's since the, yeah. Let's let's talk about things that make us happy. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good happy Patronus Fuel moments in this chapter, I think. Yes. Yeah, I liked several parts of it, which is a vast improvement from the start of the book. <laughs> Absolutely. We have Harry and Ron's excellent adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they talk about, like, Fluffy and how they're just like, oh, man, we got to do that again. Like- I'd love to just, like, go over that sentence because it's just, like, easily one of the best sentences in this book. Definitely. Which is just, Harry and Ron thought that meeting the three-headed dog had been an excellent adventure and they were quite keen to have another one. <laughs> and I was like, that is an excellent way to start a chapter. <laughs> Like, I am here in this wacky wizard school. I want to discover more secrets late at night and have my, like, adrenaline rush. I just, I, yeah, these are, mm, it makes good. me so happy. I love it. And I love Fluffy, so. Well, yeah, so cute. I mean, like, Fluffy definitely should not have been in that school. Not no. the best idea they've <laughs> ever had. But I love Fluffy, so I'm not going to fight it too much. Nope. Like, oh, <laughs> this was wrong, but at least I get to enjoy it. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And they, when the troll is there and they're, like, running around trying to find Hermione, they notice Snape sneaking off to the third floor corridor. And I love these little pops of the mystery, like the little cleverly revealing a tidbit of information. It's nice to see the way that's being laid out for the rest of the So then at the end we get that Scooby-Doo moment of like, this is why he was doing this all along. I know. This Scooby-Doo moment. Lots of Scooby-Doo talk lately. I'm into it. Uh, We get to know Hermione better, which is very nice because we've been very mean to her so far. And Mm -hmm. Hermione's incredible. Like, she's just a great person. Yes. Just all of the time. She's incredible. And I hate that we're being jerks to her because she doesn't deserve it. She's very smart. She's, like, come to the school fully prepared for everything and just fully excited about everything. I'm just very excited that we're finally giving her a chance to, like, have the school year that she wanted to have of, like, learning magic, making friends, having a good time. Versus yes. what she's been having of, like, crying in a bathroom because everyone's mean to her. Because that's just, like, it, like, hurts me. <laughs> it does. It's so hard. Because when you know what a joy Hermione is and you see these moments where people are being so mean, mm-hmm. it, it's hard. Just, like, what, like, like, preteen girl doesn't have the experience of crying in a bathroom? <laughs> <sighs> I... I couldn't tell you. I <laughs> I think I think we all have to cry in the bathroom occasionally. It's one of the best spots for crying. We are introduced to Quidditch more thoroughly, and we have lots of Oliver Wood in this chapter, which is Chef's Kiss amazing. Even if we had nothing else, having Oliver Wood makes this chapter incredible. It really truly does. The... He's incredible. He is everything. Hogwarts Himbo. That's Yes. That's Oliver Wood. 
we didn't have a lot that was like super shitty in this chapter, thankfully. Like enchantingly nasty, more enchantingly than nasty. But this is the start of a long pattern um, when Harry, Ron, and Hermione have to defeat the troll. It is, <laughs> it comes to the children to save everybody from the impending doom and destruction this time. And regardless of like, you know, maybe the teachers just were not at the right place at that time. Like this is, this happened so many times throughout the series. And it is very frustrating to see children having to be responsible for like their own well-being in that way that like they were even in a school that had doors big enough for a troll to get in as you said <laughs> like this did not have to happen this way and the teachers should have i don't know i'm i'm gonna try not to like get too mad about them but it's it's just because this fits into a larger pattern and when things form larger patterns that's how we know that they're problems so also where was dumbledore where was dumbledore why just wasn't like he chasing it? By being like, ooh, there's a troll. This is going to be cool. I wonder what, <laughs> what's going to happen. Honestly, that's probably what he did. Like, he went upstairs, like, tapping his long fingertips together, like, hmm, what are they going to do? <laughs> if that was, like, the actual role of, like, a school principal or something, I would want to be a school principal. Just sit around <laughs> waiting for the cool gossip to flow in. <laughs> I love all the comics of just Dumbledore just being, like, just showing up and just being like, ooh, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, 5,000 points to Gryffindor. And they're like, why? Just like, because I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, thanks. Just like, okay, thanks for showing up, Dumbledore. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so Dumbledore, everybody needed to be more involved in the process of removing the deadly creature from the castle. Mm -hmm. But um, that but is. But the 11-year-olds have it under control. Right. Mm -hmm. They're fine. Um, they speaking are. of which, Hermione <laughs> did not have it under control, and she was literally, like, about to die. And then she was so scared she couldn't even run away whenever, like, they tried to get her to. She was, like, sitting on the floor. Like, she couldn't move. Like, the amount of trauma that would be happening during that moment, mm -hmm. and it would be building up. And then McGonagall doesn't even, like, check in with her. She literally says, if you're not hurt at all, then, then go upstairs. Like, this child just faced, like, easily the most traumatic incident that's ever happened in her life so far. Yeah. And you're just like, well, you can't possibly be hurt now, so <laughs> just go upstairs. <laughs> like, yeah, she was never, like, physically injured, and that's wonderful. But there's so many more, like, it goes deeper than that. Like, if you're in a car accident, and your car is just, like, totaled, and everything happens, but you just, like miraculously get out without a scratch you're still gonna have trauma attached to being in a car you're still gonna have like all of these issues um i mean most likely you're still gonna have all kinds of traumatic like triggers from that yeah and we don't even check in on hermione we don't even say like how are you doing she just says like well you're not hurt then so go on tell me about the bats the bats okay so i know that Enchanting Nest and normally talk about things that are like deeply frustrating. I don't want to say this is deeply frustrating, but it bothers me. Um, so we need to hear it. it. <laughs> um, let's see. So whenever we get into 
our dining hall area where we were about to have a feast with food. Um, we are told that there are a thousand live bats on the walls and ceiling and a thousand more swooping over the tables. I don't know if any of you all have ever been to like a zoo or something where there's like a bat enclosure, but if you have, then you have probably both smelled it and you have probably seen the floor of that enclosure. And I think that it is safe to say that nobody would want to be eating on that floor. Um, yeah. And that's just with like maybe a hundred bats. So like there are at least 2,000 bats in this dining hall right now. And there is absolutely no way that there is not a single smell or a single dropping from those bats. And you are eating in this place. Shit falling from the ceiling. Like... Like, uh, I love bats, just to clarify. Bats are amazing. Adorable. Very cute. I love them. I just, I don't want a 2,000 of them flying above my dinner table. Mm-mm. Like, a bad decoration choice on Dumbledore's part. I much would have preferred the dancing skeleton troupe that we get next year that yes. Carrie misses out on. So. Yes. A dancing skeleton troupe? Yes. Floating candles? Yes. Floating jack lanterns? Yes. 2,000 bats? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Not, like, above you. Yeah. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. if they're, like, outside, like, vibing and stuff, and you can, like, see them, sure. If it was part of, like, the illusion with the stars, sure. It's not. They specifically say they're on the walls and the ceiling. <laughs> it okay. says, she specifies to live bats. Like, not decorative bats. A compromise, and we offer a butterfly exhibit-style bat exhibit where you can by choice walk into the room that has been decorated beautifully for the bats full of things they love so you can get a cool hat to wear to keep the shit from falling on your face or something that's incredible and i want to put hagrid in charge and leave it at that all right um accio fandom this week for accio fandom uh we have a special announcement for everybody Yay! Starting in 2021, we are going to start um, going a little deeper than just our Akio fandom segment. And we're going to start um, looking into whole books that are outside of the fandom that kind of touch base on a lot of the things that we miss from the Harry Potter books that should have been in them. So we are going to look at books with magic that is not transphobic. And we're going to look at books with people who are not all white and we're gonna look at books with people who are not all straight or like 10 years later say like no that old man was gay (laughs) like these are gonna be actual books with actual representation and that are actually very good and it's gonna be book club and it's gonna be great and it's gonna be virtual book club so we'll announce our books ahead of time and you can order your book and we can read it together and just talk about some really awesome books that don't involve giving money to J.K. Rowling. Because there are so many books out there. We can read books so uh, like by trans authors about trans characters, by, by POC authors about by POC characters. Like, there... There's so many options. I've literally in the last few months read like three different books that are by queer people about queer people that involve magic, so... They exist. <laughs> They're very good. So our first book is called This Is How We Fly by Anna Mariano. 
and it's actually not currently out yet, but it is available for pre-order now. And it's about Quidditch. And it's yes. so good. It has representation of literally like any like everything. Just absolutely everybody is in this book. It's incredible. Um, and it's about Muggle Quidditch, and it's a dream. Um, we've mm. both read it now, and we both are in love with it. But I love it so, so, so. It's like, because it, it it's partially inspired by Cinderella, and that, that like fairy tale, you know, like wistful kind of romantic feeling you get when you're reading a fairy tale. But combine that with, I'm going to play Muggle Quidditch, and like and all of the it's so we're i mean i'm not gonna dive too far right now because we are gonna spend some time talking about it next week but this is such a good book and i was literally like crying with happiness while i read it because it was so sweet i was like reading it at work i was like i'm bringing this and i could not stop reading it was very exciting for me because i was just like (laughs) it's like harry potter but it's not like tied to gross people and it's got like queer people in it it's got like all kinds of diversity it's got all kinds of just like interesting characters and it just has like it goes deeper and it's great um but the reason that we're talking about it today for our segment here is we're just gonna go over one part of it so in this chapter um we get introduced to quidditch obviously we talk about how much we love that however um oliver wood who we also love dearly, says that it's easy enough to understand. Um, I think all of us understand that it is not easy enough to understand. <laughs> um, in fact, somebody tweeted in 2018 that the scoring system of Quidditch makes zero sense. And J.K. Rowling came back with her nonsense, even in 2018, just utter nonsense, saying that it makes total sense. There's glamour and chasing an elusive lucky break, but teamwork and persistence can still win the day. Everyone's vulnerable, blows of fate and obstructive people, and success means rising above them. Quidditch is the human condition. Period. You're welcome. Period. Uh... So, Quidditch is a sport. So, yes, it's the human condition. Because all sports involve the human condition. Congratulations. Congratulations, you made a sport. It's a very fun sport. (laughs) We love the sport. But, like, it makes no sense. And you're you're getting a little it ain't that it's deep it's not that cool JK like it's cool <laughs> but it's not like that cool <laughs> it's not so no. cool that it transcends the need to make sense um so anyway in this is how we fly the book that we have been telling you about um we get introduced to muggle quidditch in which point she says um she kind of asks if everybody has all read harry potter and if they understand it and she says um does anyone remember the speech oliver wood gave's and our main character says Quidditch is easy enough to understand. And then our character who's in charge of our Quidditch team tells us, exactly, well, basically, Wood is a stinking liar because Quidditch is confusing as hell to understand, which is entirely more <laughs> accurate. <laughs> it is. Um, if you say, when you try to, like, watch Muggle Quidditch with somebody who, like, is not super familiar with Harry Potter... It, there's a lot of explaining that has to happen. Um, it's 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 just really funny because I, I I covered the Quidditch World Cup I think in 2018 for MuggleNet and my sisters were there and they haven't read Harry Potter as often as I have and so just 
it is complicated <laughs> to explain. It, like the running back to the goalposts and the beaters and the quaffle. And then you have this person who comes out at the end with a tube on their butt <laughs> that is the snitch. Like it is, it is complicated. It's very fun, but it is not simple. No. Um, so I, I honestly just love a good call out of Jake Rowling and her nonsense, but um. That's mm-hmm. a very good point of where even just like well after the book was written, she was being like, it totally makes sense. I don't know what you people are talking about. I'm just like, calm down. <laughs> Your book doesn't always make sense. That's okay. Just own it. <laughs> yeah. You're human. It's a book about magic. Like you made an entire like fantasy world. It's okay if like sometimes a couple of things should have been done better. Like that's okay. Right. This is How We Fly is such a wonderful book that... It basically, so many of the things that we could Accio fandom, like that we would reach out to fan created works for, like that's why we have to do the whole book for This Is How We Fly, because there is so much about this book that is, that fills such a deep hole that is left by uh, JKR's many faults mm-hmm. and the places where, you know, where the books fall flat and, uh, this is such a such a delight to read and I can't wait to talk to Anna next week and let you guys learn more about the book and Anna's thoughts about fandom and so we can march on down to the Department of Social Justice for some some serious talk about some serious issues yes serious I guess it's it's brief so I'll start with this one um it is sad to see Hermione being bullied and it makes me feel frustrated and and honestly makes me remember my own childhood seeing how like if Hermione were like a you know a smart book smart you know well-read young boy who was eager to give answers the treatment would be very different the teasing might still be there but Young girls are teased for being smart and for speaking out in a very different and more aggressive way than a lot of young boys are. And the patriarchy should go away. Because there's also been, um, like, things where they've looked at how often men talk in classrooms versus women. And even when men talk, um, or even when it's like 50-50, men like recall it as women speaking more than men um yeah even when it's completely even and even if um women haven't talked as much but they still like talk uh, like a solid percentage of the time the men like remember it as women speaking more um because they're they're just like is this thing ingrained in us that like expects men to speak in public and doesn't expect women to speak in public so whenever girls speak up in classrooms then it is more um fixated on than when guys talk in classrooms and it um it just makes it very difficult for smart young women such as Hermione to you know speak up and and show that like they're good at these things and that she knows these answers and she knows how to excel in these classes but nobody wants her to yeah because she's not like (laughs) we've talked about it before but Hermione is not being She's raising her hand when the teacher asks questions, you know, Mm -hmm. she's giving 
it's, it's it's not this situation of like, and look how much better I am than everybody else. It's just that people don't like that she has knowledge and that she's eager and excited about sharing it. Which like, she's going to magic school. Like she's raised not <laughs> knowing that magic is real. And all of a sudden they're like, you're a witch and you can do all these really cool things. Like who wouldn't be excited? <laughs> like, right? I think if any of us went to Hogwarts after being told like, it's real, you can do all of these things. Like we'd all be like, oh my God, yeah. Let's do everything. <laughs> like, it's, it's a super exciting thing. And for everyone to want her to, like, chill out is, like, it's very frustrating. Yeah. So, a little more political-wise, we also have the first time of Seamus lighting something on fire. Yes. Um, which is something that's, like, always kind of seen as, like, a fun kind of thing in the fandom of just, like, oh, he's lighting stuff on fire, it's fun. Um, but it, there are deeper implications with it. Um, so Seamus mm-hmm. Finnegan is the only canonically Irish character in the series. He's the only confirmed Irish person. Um, and kind of our first scene with him is in this chapter of him being paired up with Harry trying to make the feather float and he gets impatient and he lights it on fire. Now, mm. if this was just like random 11 year olds, then like, sure, it's kind of funny. It's just like he pokes it, lights on fire. It's funny. However, with him being the only Irish character and having a very clearly Irish name, like he yeah. was intended to be Irish. And during the 90s, when this book was written, there was a lot of conflict between Irish people and British people. Um, the Troubles, so it's called, if you want to look it up, then you are welcome to. But there's a lot of conflict, and it did involve um, several bombings and stuff involved mm-hmm. with Irish people. So there was kind of this rhetoric and stereotypes of Irish people being, like, blowing shit up, basically. So then to yeah. have a canonically Irish child blowing shit up at Hogwarts at the same time is a little shady and actually like a lot shady (laughs) it's just it's not a good look even if it's unintentional it should have she should have put more intention into thinking about this because it's very it's not a good look at all no it's like the timing of it is really shady not yeah not great optics yeah it's hard with those things because it's, I don't know, I feel like we've talked to, we've had multiple things like this at this point through the chapters where it's like, you know, this just should have been thought about more and done better. And there's nothing, there's nothing else to say but that, you know. Like there, bats, think it through. <laughs> yeah. Don't put 2,000 bats above your dining table. <laughs> <laughs> don't make your only Irish character blow shit up. <laughs> just, just think a little bit. And like... If somebody calls you out and asks you to reevaluate what you've done and tells you you've made a mistake, then own up to it and be accountable. And if somebody tells like, you that the sport that you made up has a rubbish scoring system, <laughs> don't just put out weird bullshit about it being the human condition. <laughs> just own your mistakes. Mistakes are great. They help you learn. And if you don't learn from your mistakes, then you're going to make a whole lot more of them. Yeah. And you're going to hurt yourself and hurt other people. And that is not a vibe. So. And we see that happening right now with J.K. Rowling. Because if she had tried to learn from being called out on all these little things earlier on, then I think 
that she would have been in a much better place to learn from being told, like, hey, you're being a transphobic asshole. Like, maybe don't. But instead, she does what she's been doing, and she doubles down, and she makes it worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, and that's a very important lesson, is to just not do that. Don't. Just don't. Just don't be an asshole. Don't be a dick. It's okay. It's fine. It'll be yeah, okay. You can totally move on. And... Uh, <laughs> something that kind of plays into like the social politics at hogwarts um i'm not sure exactly how it happened like harry receiving his nimbus 2000 so i'm not sure if this was purchased with like the school's budget or mcgonagall's personal money um but either way somebody using somebody's money bought Harry a broomstick that he's not supposed to have. Like, there aren't a lot of rules at Hogwarts, but one of them said, first years can't have brooms. Said that in the, we have the proof in the letter Mm -hmm. from the school supplies and welcome letter and everything. And I think that... On the one hand, I love that Harry gets an awesome new broom because I want good things for Harry. But I think that the rule being bent this way sets a difficult and problematic precedent that puts a lot of pressure on Harry um, and probably makes other people around him feel like neglected and like they are unimportant compared to Harry Potter. Um, I mean, that definitely happens with Draco. Oh, yeah. Like, the the conflict between Harry and Draco definitely increases because of this. Because we already know, like, Draco wishes he could play on the team. He's got a broom. Like, da-da-da-da-da. It kind of reminded me of, um, like, some schools have gifted and talented programs where there are some kids who are, you know, they are decided somebody decides that these kids are like extra smart and extra talented and they need special different classes and we could talk about all of that for a long time and the implications of it and the um the problems with it because generally you get a lot of like um wealthy white children in those classes um but the thing is there is this pressure that is put when you get that label of you are gifted and you are talented and you have expectations that you must live up to. And a lot of former GT kids, you know, are perfectionists and they burn out because they have been held up to these impossible standards for such a long time. And then you have other people who like, oh no, you're not gifted and talented. And that's gifted and talented and that's a shitty thing to say because a lot of people just like you know if you're being given extra opportunities well like you're probably going to excel more if you're getting more resources you're probably going to do well and i feel like this dynamic is kind of reflected in harry getting this special treatment and like maybe instead of putting this pressure on Harry to, you know, live up to being an amazing seeker and to make everybody else feel like they weren't special enough to get the special broomstick, buy 
buy a broom for the school that Harry can use that's better than like the old ones. Mm. Then everybody has access to it and the Gryffindor seeker doesn't have to use a like shitty old broomstick because I don't want that because I want Gryffindor to win. Yeah, why don't we just so, like why aren't school brooms better? I don't know. Like that's what that seems to be what we should be putting the money to, toward if there are some players who won't be able to use broomsticks instead of breaking the rules and or have, like team further ones too. Like it doesn't have to be like just like the ones that the kids are learning on. Like you can have ones like set aside specifically for the Quidditch teams. Yeah. You absolutely could do that. You could make sure that they were all like good brooms and that nobody was getting anything better than anybody else. Like Draco's dad buying everybody a Nimbus 2001. Um, like in the Quidditch World Cup, they all ride firebolts. Yeah. That should be like... Mm. Everybody needs access to like the same level of broom. Harry doesn't need a better broom than everybody else. Yeah. The most expensive one. Like... There's just, there's a lot of problems that I feel like this creates that it, this is just a model for uh, some of the things that happen down the road with Harry being, feeling isolated, but also like feeling special at the same time, maybe in times where it would be better for him to feel like he was part of the group instead of separate from it. It puts a lot of pressure on him. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that it's, that's something that being on the team probably helps him with it's just like being a part of a team rather than but i mean still like just being a seeker there's that added pressure yeah being the one that ends the game being the one that can score the most points so mm-hmm. the the human condition <laughs> relies on you <laughs> that's um. the other thing it's like she just like says that like the scoring part of it is like that it relies on like luck or something but then like are we saying that harry can only get catch the cinch by being lucky like you're putting this yeah. whole effort into saying that he's super talented at being a seeker and yet you're just like the scoring makes sense because the seeker just gets lucky <laughs> luck is involved in every aspect of every player's position and also every sports game that exists yes. literally so. all quidditch creates problems in that like as a i think Saying Quidditch is a metaphor for the human condition as a literary device is very different than talking about just, like, the concept of the game. Yeah, especially um, just the concept of the scoring. Right. Which, I don't know, maybe maybe there was a miscommunication there or something. Who knows? I don't know what goes on oh, in her Jake mind. Jake didn't fully understand something and then made a statement on it anyway. <laughs> this bothered me, which, and it also pained me because, like, I'm like, I, I want to... I want Gryffindor to win and I want them to have the best brooms. So this is an internal conflict for me to bring it to the table before the court at the Department of Social Justice. Yeah, it's hard because like I really want him to have nice things. I want him to be happy. And like when you're reading it, you're like, oh yeah, he gets a cool broomstick. Oh, he gets a shove it in Draco's face. And like that scene is excellent, honestly, where he's just like gets to be like, it's all thanks to Draco that I have it. <laughs> and you're just like, ooh. <laughs> But it, it is interesting that, I mean, Harry can afford to order his own broom. Mm-hmm. So why isn't he being asked to order his own broom like he is later in the series when this broom gets, you know, like, shredded to pieces? There are other options for this situation that are much better that are not... Harry's not even consulted. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody says, like, you know, what broom do you want? Well, I mean, to be fair, he probably has no idea what the differences are between brooms. Fair. 
Like he saw the one, um, I think he saw it in Diagon Alley, and then he said that whenever he, they have, uh, whenever they unpackaged it, he was like, even he could tell that like it was like really nice broom or whatever. Mm. But like, I don't think that he honestly would have asked for like the most expensive, nicest broom that was available. <laughs> Ah, oh, the gold cauldron of broomsticks, <laughs> just for Harry. Mental health care. There's quite a. There's we've got some stuff to review this chapter. I think to continue harping on the broomstick moment. I think that this is the first time that we see Ron being jealous of Harry. Um, the the adverb enviously is used to describe Ron as he uh, looks at the Nimbus Two Thousand when it's opened. And I feel like this is like the seed that is planted and slowly grows for Ron all the way blossoming into him losing his shit when Harry gets entered into the Triwizard Tournament. Because mm-hmm. um, up until this point, he hasn't seemed really jealous of Harry for anything. Yeah, I think they kind of connected a little bit on the train where he started to be a little bit jealous and then... Um, Harry was very good at being just like, like whenever he was embarrassed about um, stuff with his family, not having money for new things, um, Harry was just like, yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't have these things either. Like I used to have all of Dudley's hand-me-downs and I think that they connected over the um, both struggling like that. And so then to see Harry not struggling is probably just a little difficult for Ron. Yeah. And there's also the fact like Ron has been like, in love with Quidditch his whole life he's been like learning to fly his whole life he's been doing all of these things like loves Quidditch knows everything about this broomstick and then Harry just like shows up and gets the best broomstick ever and is just like a natural flyer and gets on the Quidditch team in the first year and I think it's honestly very impressive of Ron to not be more jealous than he is oh yeah I, I think it's very you can tell like how close they are as friends of how just because of how happy ron is for him rather than just being like Mm -hmm. full-on jealous right um but i think it's definitely i can see why i think it's fair for him to be a little bit jealous a little envious about it and i think it's fair that that kind of starts some stuff for him definitely this is like the first thing that I mean, at least in my mind, that feels unfair that has happened for Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not like, <laughs> you know, I think Ron thinks when Harry is entered into the Triwizard Tournament that it's a good thing, but actually it is not yeah. a good thing at all. Um, and there are a few things that are like, and you know, it's interesting because some of it comes down to their difference in perception about what is desirable and what isn't Mm -hmm. like Ron might have liked some of the attention that Lockhart gave if Lockhart gave it to Ron first instead of Harry yeah we might have gotten tired of it eventually but like a lot of the things that Harry gets like they're things that Harry doesn't want but Ron you know they represent things that he has lacked in his life so he would potentially react really differently poor Ron I know he's a dumbass and everything but poor Ron <laughs> he is so Sweet mean about man. it and that's like the only thing is in this chapter he's very rude to Hermione and so he's he still like a little shit but like poor Ron <laughs> well like you were saying uh, 
in our doc that Hermione and everybody could really use a school counselor for everything that happens in this chapter. Yes. Like, first of all, Hermione definitely, after that whole troll thing, needs at the very least a school counselor. Preferably, Mm -hmm. like, a specific, like, trauma counselor. But, like, (laughs) I mean, at the very least, we could have a school counselor. I mean, like, look at all the stuff that Madame Pomfrey does outside of her job description. I think we can get (laughs) a, like, magical therapist who could do a bunch of stuff out of their job description, too. (laughs) Um, I, I don't. I don't understand the lack of healthcare, especially considering, or lack of mental healthcare specifically. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, J.K. Rowling has all these things that she says are, like, connected to her mental health. Like, the Dementors are, like, the main thing. But she, to say that, like, this creature represents depression, but I'm not going to put mental healthcare in this book. Yeah. I don't get it. I, just, I don't, and I don't understand what J.K. Rowling did to, like, I guess she just thinks that the cure for depression is to write a super good book and become a billionaire. But we can't all do that, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> right? Some of us need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us need medicine. Like, yes. there's... Prescriptions uh, are great. Mental health care can happen for people in so many different ways and i understand that not every story will necessarily have like an institution that helps with mental health care but like there is i don't know i just i feel like there is a a big case to be made that you don't you don't have to have like a i don't know you, you don't have to have like a department of such and such whatever you there are little things that you can do beyond just and here's a patronus charm you know like Mm -hmm. you could have maybe they could go into the hospital wing for cheering charms sometime you know like yeah little things if american schools can have counselors that i don't understand why hogwarts wouldn't have a counselor because like yeah american schools are very much like we'll just get over it move on and yet they mm-hmm. still have school counselors. Like, just as a country, we're very, like, get over it, move on. Not as much as, mm-hmm. like, other countries, but, like, just in general. And so to just say that you can make an entire school without even, like, a guidance counselor for, like, class choices or something is mm-hmm. bizarre to me. I question, I wonder if, like, maybe with the idea of houses, and this is, I've never been to boarding school and definitely never been to boarding school in Europe, so, you know, (laughs) speculation, but maybe with the idea of houses, there's supposed to be more responsibility on the head of house and the, like, prefects to handle, you know, uh, intra-house conflicts, like, you know, helping people who are arguing with each other or... If you notice a student in your house needs some help to lend a hand and like maybe that's what's supposed to be happening but we don't see that occur so the only thing is that like school counselors go to school and get like master's degrees in school counseling and prefects are like still children <laughs> and not necessarily capable of grades. helping people who got traumatized by a troll attacking them and nearly killing them. No, they're not qualified for that. <laughs> yeah. I think that, like, maybe school counselors are, like, 
a primarily American thing now that I'm thinking about it, but I don't know. Oh. Either way, Let it us shouldn't know. be. <laughs> <laughs> no, they need more. And because, like, Madame Pomfrey, as as we know, Madame Pomfrey is the only one who fucking cares about these kids' brains. Like, mm-hmm. in... In Order of the Phoenix, after Ron is attacked by the brain, we hear, you know, the thoughts leave the deepest scars. So if this is, like, something that is understood in any capacity, that these wounds from the brain, from thoughts from the mind, can be more difficult to deal with and heal than anything else, then why why are we doing nothing why is nothing happening to take care of these scars that you may not be forming them with a wand, but they are formed when the troll chases after you? Like, they are they are just as real. Mm-hmm. We need some trauma-informed caregivers at Hogwarts because everyone is traumatized every year at Hogwarts. Every month. They put the Sorcerer's Stone in the school. <laughs> knowing that the only people who want the Sorcerer's Stone are very dangerous people. Mm-hmm. And then they put a bunch of dangerous tasks tasks in the way of getting to it, including a giant three-headed dog that all you have to do is unlock a door to find. Right, with a first-year spell. Yeah. So I don't understand why they could create an environment that is so easy to find trauma in yeah and then not be prepared for these kids to have trauma do you want to go through the um the sports stuff before we yeah so obviously we've talked about quidditch quite a bit in the in this episode already but um looking at the different ways that harry has been um kind of just piled on all of these new things he's got He's got this new bully to deal with. He's got, like, this newfound, like, freedom of having, like, just not living at the Dursleys. He has all these new classes that are on all of these new things that he's never heard of before. He's having these fun adventures now that are super, that he's really enjoying, but that are also, you know, very, like, stressful while they're happening. He's got friends that are not automatically just ignoring him because of Dudley. Um, And he's starting... Quidditch that he's just supposed to be super good at all of a sudden um, and he's got all of these things that he's miraculously doing very well at um, mm-hmm. but <laughs> normally like a therapist or a counselor or somebody would be able to really help him actually process these things Yeah, but um, since J.K. Rowling wrote it he's just you know magically doing fine just as a quick reminder, if you're not doing fine with having things like that in your life, it's okay. It's totally normal. <laughs> um, normal is relative, but like, it's totally normal to be stressed when you have that many new things or even like one or two new things happen in your life. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of people are having to like change their entire like lives right now due to COVID and everything. And it's just, it's totally normal to be stressed out and not thriving with new things totally okay um but one of the things that i noticed in this chapter was that he had said he's really distracted in class because he was very excited to start playing quidditch and i think that quidditch is something that we can see benefit him a lot throughout the entire series honestly Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of 
just benefits that are good for just anybody to do in school for sports. It really helps with kids to connect in all kinds of different things. It helps them feel more closer to the community. It helps with, um, it's supposed to like actually help with academics, which is good for Harry because he's freaking yeah. distracted. <laughs> That's very nice. Um, and it helps him kind of like work as a team and learn cooperation and learn like how to work like socially with people, which is very important for him, I think, because he's he's never had friends before. Like he's never had anybody like him before for his entire first 11 years of being around. Like that takes a lot to overcome. Yeah. Um, and I think that joining Quidditch is the first time that we actually see him doing something that would explain why he is able to miraculously do this okay. Um, <laughs> doesn't explain the first couple months at Hogwarts where he's doing all right making friends, but once he's on the team, it makes a lot more sense because being part of a team does help kids um, learn how to start closer friendships and it helps them to get a lot of the like relationships and things that they need in order to to have closer bonds with people and that's something that we definitely see with Harry throughout the series and Quidditch is a very good example of like something that would actually explain that rather than just him <laughs> being totally fine despite having you know emotionally abused for a lot of time an entire decade yeah. uh, it also teaches like um just being on teams just in general helps with like leadership skills and like wanting to like succeed in things and i think that all of that just really connects with harry yeah so i think that harry was just destined to be a jock <laughs> because oh, yeah. he's very good at it first of all obviously we know that and it just there's a lot of benefits with being in sports as a kid that um are things that he ends up being really good at so actually good representation in here of something that does help him i'm very happy to see him actually having something that is going to help him succeed rather than oh yeah what we've been getting of just a bunch of problems for him sports help in so many different like places of your life that it's like i don't know i mean maybe this isn't maybe this is unfounded but i think maybe maybe this is like a metaphor for the human condition oh <laughs> <laughs> well, i think you might be right uh-huh, yeah yeah i mean it, <laughs> this is you know this is what we're talking about right like these are all things that we deal with in everyday life like mm. cooperation teamwork uh practice like uh i'm just being rude um <laughs> but no to not to not make jokes like this is it is wonderful that harry gets the opportunity to play sports mm-hmm. as early as he does because i think that it probably helps correct some of the um patterns that would have created problems for him later on exactly um, yeah so I'm, I'm really glad he had access to this. Yeah, I think that just in general, sports and just like any sort of team thing, it doesn't have to be sports. Like it can be like mm-hmm. debate club. Gobstones or like club. Band or whatever. Yeah. But just having something like that while you're in school is 
just very important, especially for kids who like maybe if you don't have access to therapy, maybe like your parents don't want to put you in it. Maybe like you don't know how to talk to your parents about being in it. Joining a team, joining something that makes you feel more connected with people around you is just a super wonderful way to kind of support your own mental health without, you know, having to have that scary conversation with your parents of like, hey, I think I might need to be on medication or hey, I might need to start therapy. Yeah. Especially if your school doesn't have a counselor to go see. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it's not like, it's not like going to like try out for a sports team is going to solve your depression. <laughs> but um, it's right. not going to cure you of anything. But it's, it's a, it's really great way to get that started and feel good. And for some people, it, it is enough. For some people, if you're just like struggling, you just need one thing to just help you escape and get out of your head for a little bit. And that's, that's all you need in order to be great. Um, it'd be great to be neurotypical. I don't know what that feels like, but um, <laughs> if you are, nope. then like, awesome. That's super good for you. <laughs> like, share your tips in the comments <laughs> below. <laughs> I'm just like, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, actually, for some people, just being on a sports team, that's enough. Like, that's good. You're done. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> that sounds nice. <laughs> Man, to dream, dreaming of a... <sighs> I guess some people don't have, like, clinical depression and generalized anxiety disorder from the time they're, like, 14, but, like, I don't know what that's like. We're already kind of moving into the pensive here with our Reflecting recollections. Reflecting on our childhoods full of depression. Yes. <laughs> um, so, this chapter has me thinking about friendship, um... <clears throat> And how this, like, this lovely friendship forged in fire with Harry, Ron, and Hermione defeating the troll. And those are just, it, it's amazing the different ways we can make friends and the different, like, how friendships emerge differently from different situations. Like, some are instant, you know, some you meet somebody on a train and then you're just friends with them for the rest of your life, like Harry and Ron. Some people you have to go through a real trial with to become friends. And then you have the, like, uh, we are working together and then we become friends type friendships. And there are so many and they are so lovely. And I'm just, I'm grateful to have friends that I value as much as Harry values Ron and Hermione in my life. And I feel like... I got mine a little later in life than he did, but it's just a reminder that they those people can come into your life at any point. So that's awesome. Yes. You don't have to make your lifelong friend when you're 11 years old. No. It's okay. It's, it's unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even remember who I talked to when I was 11 years old, so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I knew you when I was 11. <laughs> all right thank you everybody for listening to this episode you can join us next week where we will be discussing chapter 11 quidditch quidditch you can follow us in the meantime on social media on instagram and facebook we are beyond the veil pod and on twitter we are beyond the veil mn 
primitivism it's like the the primal fluid like all of the bacteria like floating around together fighting to be uh, i don't know where i'm going with this. i don't know i'm concerned <laughs> and like weird foods that came out like purple ketchup oh gross i know, I know. kid cuisine those are those were not good they were they good were as creepy. a child but like now i look at it i'm like i would rather eat anything else in the world if i if i have six you know, I've got a lot of travel anxiety right now because I'm leaving. So, um, you should bring your um, your primal fluids with you. <laughs> like, <gasps> I found earrings. They're just kid cuisine things, but they're like little earrings. <sighs> Very cute. Amazing. Okay. Outro. Outro. <laughs> Outro. Squirrel. 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 Whoa. Squirrel. <laughs> All right, everybody. <clears throat> <laughs> You're not helping me. <laughs> I know I'm not. I know. <laughs> <laughs>